I pray you strengthen my voice for the next few moments as I attempt to preach your word. Lord, I pray you give me the words to say, and I pray that everyone here, that their hearts would be open, that the Holy Spirit would have uh, just free reign at this time, Lord, that your Spirit would come upon me, help me to say the things you would have me to say, Father, and help us to be able to learn from the story. In your precious name I pray, amen. Now we're there in Judges chapter number 17, and as you know, we've been preaching through the book of Judges on Sunday nights, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of Judges. And the book of Judges only has 21 chapters in it, and we're here in chapter 17. So we've, we've definitely done the lion's share of the book, going through it. But you know, as we, as we come into chapter 17, chapter 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21, those five chapters, we're entering into a different phase of the book of Judges. We're kind of transitioning into the last phase of the book of Judges. And what you will notice from this chapter on is that we will no longer be dealing with any specific judges. As you've noticed as we've been going through the book, we went from one the story of one judge to another, to another, to another. Samson, which we finished his life last week, is the last judge that we deal with in the book of Judges. And for the next five chapters... What we will begin to look at, instead of looking at the judges of the book of Judges, we'll begin to look at the society of Israel during the days of the judges. So we won't be studying a judge, we'll be studying the people and looking at the people that these judges were to minister to. And as we go through it, I want you to understand this, I believe (coughs) that Judges 17 not only gives us a view into the average Israelite in the days of the judges. But I believe it gives us a view into the average Christian in America today. And uh, you'll see some similarities as we go through there. But I want you to notice, and it's not very long, it's only 13 verses. And so we're going to try to go through it as quickly as possible, because I'm not exactly sure how long my voice is going to last. Alright, so we'll try to go through it quickly. Judges 17, look at verse number 1. The Bible says, and this is pretty, Judges 17 I think is a pretty interesting chapter in the book of Judges. The Bible says, and there was a man of Mount Ephraim, whose name was Micah. And he said unto his mother, the 1100 shekels of silver that were taken from thee, about which thou cursest, and spake of also in mine ears, behold, the silver is with me, I took it. Now you got to understand what's going on here. This lady lost, the Bible says, 1,100 shekels of silver, which is quite a bit of money. And she's upset. The Bible says she's cursing, she's yelling. Her son comes to her and he admits, he says, Mom, I took the money. I have it. It's with me. Now notice the response. And his mother said, Blessed be thou of the Lord my son. Now that's kind of a weird story just altogether, because I'll tell you this, that's not how I would react if my uh, child said to me they stole 1,100 shekels of silver, but that already lets you know the society has a weird perspective. The, the, the authority structure is not exactly the way that the Bible says it should be. But here's what I think is interesting, because you've got to understand, God has given us this chapter so we can see what the average Israelite, what the average... And you've got to understand this, these were not heathen, these were not bad people, although we're all bad people, we understand that. 
They were not a heathen nation. This was a nation of Israel. These were God's, supposedly God's people at this time. These people were serving God, Jehovah God. And God is allowing us to see, and, and like I said, I believe that the way they were in those days is not too far off from the way the average Christian is today. And what I want you to notice is this, point number one, if you're taking notes tonight, point number one, you need to understand this, is here what we can learn from the story. The average Christian does not consistently live for God. The average Christian, and and I'm using the word average on purpose, because what I mean by average is most people who claim to, to be saved, who claim to be believers, do not consistently live for God on a daily and a regular basis. Most Christians will come to church on a Sunday. Most Christians will act Christian on a Sunday. They'll act Christian at church, but then they'll go home and act a different way. And I think we see that in this picture. Look look at verse 2 again. And he said unto his mother, The eleven hundred shekels of silver that were taken from thee, now notice, about which thou cursest, so he says to his mom, remember you were cursing about these shekels and spake of also in my ear. Behold, the silver is with me. And I took it. And his mother said, now notice, we were just told that his mother was cursing because she had lost this money. But now we see her saying this, blessed be thou of the Lord my son. Now keep your finger there in Judges 17 and go to the New Testament book of James. James chapter number 3. <clears throat> James chapter number 3, right before, I'm sorry, right after the book of Hebrews, James chapter number 3, and look at verse number 8, James chapter number 3, and my voice is definitely a lot worse than it was this morning, James chapter number 3, and look at verse number 8, James chapter 3 and verse 8, the Bible says, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Now look at verse 9. Therewith bless we God, even the Father. Now he's talking about our tongue. And he says, therewith, that's a reference to our mouth, to our tongue. Therewith bless we God, even the Father. Now notice, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Verse 10. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessings and cursing. Now I want you to notice what James says about that. He says, my brethren, these things are not so to be. Does a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Here's what James is saying. The same mouth that you use to bless God with should not be the same mouth you use to curse people with. Yet we find that Micah's mother was cursing and yelling and angry and mad because she lost the money. And then she finds the money and she's blessing and saying, Blessed be thou, Lord. I'm here to tell you, your mouth ought to be used for God. See, here's what the average Christian does. On Sunday they'll come to church. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And then the same mouth they use on Sunday morning to bless God with, they're using on Monday to curse their neighbor. They're using on Monday to curse their children. They're using on Monday to curse their co-worker. They're using on Tuesday on the road with their road rage. I'm here to tell you, the average Christian does not live a consistent life. If we were to follow the average Christian around, we would find that the way they act on Sunday is very different than how they act on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. And these things ought not so to be. 
We ought to live the same. Let me and you don't, please don't answer this out loud, but let me ask you a question. Are you the same everywhere? You say, well, I, I act a little bit different at home than I do at... You know, that makes you a hypocrite. And I'm here to tell you, the average Christian is a hypocrite. Sometimes people say to me, Pastor, I, I was spending time with, with, with Sister So-and-so outside of church, and I was spending time with Brother So-and-so outside of church, and man, I didn't think, I didn't know that they spoke that way. I didn't know that they were salesing. I didn't think that Christians talk like that. And my response is this, the average Christian is not consistent. The average Christian acts one way at church and another way at home. The average Christian will curse and bless God out of the same mouth. And God is trying to teach us here, go back to Judges 17, we find that this lady, when things were going her way, blessed be thou of the Lord. When things aren't going her, her, her way, blankety blank this, blankety blank that. Not a very consistent life. Number two. Look at verse 2 again. And he said, Judges 17, verse 2, And he said unto his mother, Now notice what he says. The eleven hundred shekels of silver. Do you see that? The eleven hundred shekels of silver that were taken from thee, about which thou cursest and spakest of also in mine ear. Behold, the silver is with me. I took it, and his mother said, Blessed be thou the Lord my son. Verse 3. And when he had restored the... Notice what it says. Eleven hundred shekels of silver... To his mother, his mother said, notice what his mom said, I had wholly dedicated the silver unto the Lord. Okay? He says, Mom, I took 1,100 shekels from you. He restores to her 1,100 shekels of silver. And she says, when she gets the 1,100 shekels of silver, she said, I had wholly dedicated the silver unto the Lord. What the, the word holy means entirely or fully. She said, son, I'm so glad you brought me back these 1,100 shekels of silver. Because I had entirely, I had completely, I had fully dedicated the 1,100 shekels of silver unto the Lord. From my hand for my son to make a graven image and a molten image. Now therefore, I will restore it unto thee. Now, we're going to get into a little bit whether she should have even been making those images. But the point is this. She dedicated 1,100 shekels to God. Did she not? Look at verse number... Uh, see where I want you. Look at verse number 4. Yet he restored the, mo the, the money unto his mother, and his mother took the... Now notice this. His mother took... The, 200 shekels of silver. Do you see that? Now look, I, I, don't, I don't know if you're good at math, or maybe I'm not good at math, but I think 1,100 shekels of silver and 200 shekels of silver are not exactly the same thing. He says, Mom, I got your 1,100 shekels. She said, I'm so glad you brought me the 1,100 shekels. All of it belongs to God. And then she goes to do the service that she thinks she was supposed to do with it. And the Bible says, Yet he restored the money unto his mother. And his mother took 200 shekels of silver and gave them to the founder, who made them of a graven image, a molten image, and they were in the house of Micah. Here's what we can learn. Number one, the average Christian does not live a consistent life. And number two, the average Christian does not commit fully to God. See, what you've got to understand is this. The average Christian, if you've got 1,100 shekels to offer to God, the average Christian offers 200 shekels. 
There are very few people who fully and entirely and completely give themselves to God. Now you've got to understand this. What is it that God expects from us? Go to Romans chapter number 12. Romans chapter number 12 in the New Testament there. Romans chapter number 12, verse 1, very well-known passage. We've looked at it many times before. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. <clears throat> Romans 12, 1, the Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You've got to understand this. You say, what does God expect from me? He expects 100% of you. If, there, if there's 1,100 shekels of you to go around, God wants 1,100 shekels. But the average Christian wants to give God 200 shekels. The average Christian not only does not live a consistent Christian life, the average Christian does not commit himself fully to God in his life. Go to uh, Mark, chapter number 12. Matthew, Mark, chapter number 12. Look at verse number 29. Mark chapter number 12 and verse 29. <clears throat> Mark 12, 29. And Jesus answered him. The first of all the commandments is, is here, O Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord. Now look at verse 30. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with some of thine heart. Is that what it says? It says with all thine heart. And with some of thy soul, it says with all thy soul. And with some of thy mind, it says all thy mind. And with some of thy strength, it says all thy strength. That is the first commandment. You've got to understand this. What God expects from you is 100% commitment. What God expects from you is to completely give Him your life and offer yourself a living sacrifice. But the average Christian says, well, I don't know about giving Him every area of my life. I don't know about, you know, just being one of those fanatical, just, you know, all the way in type of Christian. I'll give Him a little bit. And that's exactly what this woman was doing. She had 1,100 shekels that were dedicated to God. But she says, dear God, I'll give you 200 shekels. I'll keep the rest. Go back to Judges chapter 17. The average Christian, I said, number one, the average Christian does not live a consistent life. The average Christian does not commit fully to God. Let me give you one more point. Look at verse 3. And when he had restored the 1,100 shekels of silver to his mother, <clears throat> his mother said, I had wholly dedicated the silver unto the Lord from my hand for my son to make a graven image and a molten image. Now therefore I will restore it unto thee. Yet he restored the money unto his mother and his mother took 200 shekels of silver and gave them to the founder who made thereof a graven image and a molten image. And they were in the house of Micah. Now keep your finger there in Judges and go to Exodus chapter number 20. Exodus 20, very well-known passage. We've looked at it before. It's the Ten Commandments. But look at Exodus chapter 20, and look at verse number 4. <clears throat> Exodus chapter 20, and verse number 4. 
Exodus chapter 20 and verse number 4, the Bible says, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself unto them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Okay, that is a very clear statement in Scripture. God says, I don't want you making graven images. I don't want you making idols. He said, I don't want you bowing to them. I don't want you worshiping them. But here's what you got to understand. Go back to Judges 17. Look at verse 4. Yet he restored the money unto his mother, and his mother took 200 shekels of silver and gave them to the founder. Now notice what it says. Who made thereof a graven image. Okay? Is that exactly what Exodus 20 said not to do? Who made thereof a graven image and a molten image, and they were in the house of Micah. Okay? So now Micah has these idols in his house. But he takes it further. Look at verse 5. And the man, Micah, had a house of gods. Okay? So now he's filled his entire house with these lowercase g gods, these idols. Now notice this, and made an ephod and a teraphim. Now I don't have time to go through and show you this, but an ephod and a teraphim were garments or part of the garments that a priest was supposed to take. Those are actually good uh, objects that were used for worship in that day. So here's what you got now. You got Micah taking an ephod and a teraphim, which God told them to have for the priest, and then you've got these idols, and he's got them all together. And this is his religion in his house. Look at verse 5. And the man Micah had a house of gods and made an ephod and teraphim and consecrated one of his sons who became his priest. Look at verse 6. Verse 6 encompasses this chapter and encompasses the entire book of Judges. In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And here's what you got to understand. Go, go. Go, go to Judges 17, look at verse number 7. And there was a young man out of Bethlehem, Judah, of the family of Judah. So now we've got another man coming from the tribe of Judah, from the city of Bethlehem. That's a very well-known city. Of the family of Judah, who was a Levite, and he sojourned there. Okay, So this young man's coming from Judah, but he's a Levite. All right, A Levite was a tribe of Israel. Now the Levites were a special tribe. Because if you remember, in the tribe of Levi, if you remember, Moses and Aaron were both of the tribe of Levi, which means they were descendants from Levi. Okay? God set aside the entire tribe of Levi to worship and to serve in the tabernacle. But you've got to understand this. Not every Levite was a priest. Only the Levites that were the sons of Aaron, you understand what I'm saying? Only those were the priests. Okay? So if Aaron was your dad, you were a Levite, Aaron was your dad, you were a priest. But if you were a Levite, but Aaron was not your dad, let's say Aaron was your uncle, okay? Then you were not to be a priest, you were to just be called a Levite. You say, well, what exactly does a Levite do? A Levite was to assist the priest. Okay? A Levite was to do all the manual labor. They were to clean up. They were to pick up the tabernacle. They were to tear it down. Because remember, at this time they're wandering in the wilderness. So they're packing it up. 
They're, they're setting it up, they're moving, and then they'll take it down. And They did all the manual labor. Their job was to assist the priest, but they weren't necessarily the priest, because there was a qualification to be a priest, and one of the qualifications was you have to be a descendant of Aaron. Are you following what I'm saying? Okay, so for example, in a church you've got a pastor. The pastor has to meet qualifications. Okay? He has to be the husband of one wife. He has to meet all sorts of these qualifications to be a pastor. Now in the church, there are people that help the pastor. We've got ushers, we've got people that help with rights. There are people that help in the ministry. Those people aren't necessarily the pastor. Those would be more like the Levites who assist the pastor in the ministry. Are you following what I'm saying? Okay? But you have to meet certain qualifications to be the pastor. And you have to meet certain qualifications to be the priest. Now notice what happens here. Verse 5. I'm sorry, verse uh, 6. In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And there was a young man out of Bethlehem, Judah, of the family of Judah, who was a Levite, and he sojourned there. And the man departed out of the city from Bethlehem, Judah, to sojourn there. He could find a place, and he came to Mount Ephraim, to the house of Micah, as he journeyed. And Micah said unto him, Whence comest thou? So he says, Where are you coming from? And he said unto him, I am a Levite of Bethlehem, Judah. And I go to sojourn where I may find a place. And Micah said unto him, Dwell with me, and be unto me a father and a, notice what he says, priest. And I will give thee ten shekels of silver by the year of a suit of apparel and thy victuals. So that Levite went in. And the Levite was content to dwell with the man. And the young man was unto him as one of his sons. Now you got to understand this, okay? This would be like someone showing up to town. Where are you from? Oh, I'm from Verity Baptist Church. Oh, what did you do there? Oh, I, 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 I was an usher there. I, I drove the van there. I, I helped, you know, I, I helped clean the buildings. Okay, well, let's make you the pastor. Now, hold on. I'm not, please understand, I'm not trying to belittle anybody that does those jobs. But just because you drive the van or usher or clean doesn't make you qualified to be a pastor. Are you following what I'm saying? These Levites were to assist with the manual labor. He shows up and says, hey, I'm a Levite. He says, let me make you a priest. I'll pay you this much. I'll give you clothes. I'll give you a pair of clothes every year. That's what he said. He said, I'll give you food. I'll pay you this much money. The Bible says, and in verse 11, he says, deal. I'll be your priest. Verse 12. And Micah consecrated the Levite. And the young man became his priest. And was in the house of Micah. Then said Micah, Now know I that the Lord will do me good. Now notice this. Now know I, Micah said, that the Lord will do me good. What gives you that confidence, Micah? Why do you think God's going to bless you, Micah? Well, seeing I have a Levite to my priest. Now hold on a second, Micah. Was he supposed to be a priest? Were you supposed to have idols? Who, who said you're supposed to worship in your house? God said you're supposed to set up a tabernacle. God said you're supposed to have Aaron be the priest. God said the Levites were to help the priest. Here's what you got to understand. The average Christian does not live a consistent life. The average Christian does not commit fully to God. And the average Christian has no idea what God expects from them. The average Christian, let me explain to you what the average Christian in America does today. They set for themselves a self-imposed standard. They decide what will please God. Micah said, well, this guy's going to be my priest. I'm going to have idols. I'm going to have a uh, teraphim. 
an ephod, and then God's going to bless me. And that's exactly what Christians want to do today. Christians say, well, I'm going to go to church four times a year, and God's going to bless me. And my question for you is this, where did you get that from? Well, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give God, I'm gonna give God ten dollars a week, and He's gonna be happy with me. Where, where did you get that? Where does it say that in the Bible? See, here's what Christians want to do: they give themselves a self-imposed standard, then they meet their self-imposed standard, and then they want to high-five themselves like they did something right, and they expect God to bless them because they're doing what they think is right in their eyes. Who told you showing up to church once every four months was acceptable to God? Who told you that doing, and let me tell you this, the average, and here's what I'm trying to say, I'm not upset, I'm not angry, I'm losing my voice, we'll be done in a couple minutes. But you've got to understand this, the average Christian, most Christians, and I'm saying this, and this is the honest truth, the average Christian could care less what the Bible says. Most people do not care. Uh... Micah, God said you're not supposed to make an idol. Don't, don't, but it makes me feel so good. Micah, God said the priest was supposed to be a descendant of Aaron, but he's so nice. Micah, God said you're supposed to have a tabernacle, but in my house it's more convenient. I'm here to tell you, most people don't care what the Bible says. And by the way, that's why the average Christian... That's why the divorce rate in Christianity is the same as it is in the world. 60% of marriages end in divorce in the world. 60% of marriages end in divorce in, in the Christian realm. You say, why is that? Because a man of God stands up and says, the Bible says you ought to not get divorced. The Bible says it's a sin to get divorced. The Bible says it's wrong to get divorced. And the average Christian says, I don't really care what the Bible says. I'm going to get divorced. That's why the average Christian doesn't tithe. That's why most Christians do not tithe. Because you stand up and you preach. The Bible says you ought to tithe. The Bible says you ought to tithe. The Bible says you ought to tithe. And here's what they say. I'll give God 200 shekels, but that's it. That's why the average Christian doesn't go soul winning. You preach so you're blue in the face. Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You go, you show all the verses that says God has given you the ministry of reconciliation to go out and preach the gospel. And the average Christian says, I know that's what the Bible says, but that, that's not for me, Pastor. That's not for me. I don't, I don't have that gift. Show me in the Bible where it says it's a gift. It's a command. That's why the average Christian doesn't read the Bible. That's why the average Christian doesn't study the Bible. That's why the average Christian doesn't pray. That's why the average Christian is not consistent to church. That's why the average Christian is living like the devil. Why? Because most Christians don't care what the Bible says. They don't even want to be bothered with what the Bible says. And by the way, that's why the average Christian doesn't like very Baptist church. Because the average Christian wants to go to a place where they sing for an hour and 15 minutes and the guy preaches for 5 minutes and barely does a good job at that. The average Christian doesn't care what the Bible says. You know why? You know, uh, Christians like to have, we don't, I don't really do this, but when I was growing up, everybody had, you know, everybody had their life first. What's your life first? You're supposed to pick a verse that was like, this is what represents my life. You know what the life verse for the average Christian ought to be? Judges 17.6. In those days, there was no king in Israel. But every man did that which was right in his own eyes. If we were honest, we would realize that that's the truth. Let me ask you a question. When the Bible is preached, and you're confronted with the Word of God, do you respond with, 
that's what the Bible says. I guess that's what I ought to do. Or do you just excuse it and say, well, yeah, I mean, I know he said that about divorce, but he doesn't realize the guy that I married. When we stand up and preach and say, you know, the Bible says you're not living fornication. The Bible says it's wrong for you to go to bed before you're married. And you say, well, yeah, but that, you don't understand. My situation is different. Look, why don't you just accept truth? Why don't you just take the Bible and follow it? Why don't you just decide, I'm going to do what this book says? Because the average Christian doesn't care. That's why. Because the average Christian lives differently here than they live out there. The average Christian has not fully dedicated themselves to God. You want to give them 200 shekels when you should be giving them 1,100. And the average Christian says this, I'm going to do what I think God wants me to do, and then I'm going to expect God to bless me. And then you wonder why you don't have the blessing of God. Micah said, go go back to Judges, we're done right here. Verse 13. Then said Micah, Now know I that the Lord will do me good, seeing I have a Levite to my priest. You know what the average Christian, you know how the average Christian sees God? As a good luck charm. I'm going to put this little cross in my rearview window. I'm going to drive down the street and put this Bible on my, on my, on my uh, car there as I'm driving down the street. And God's going to bless me. You ought to just start reading the Bible is what you ought to start doing. You ought to start studying the Bible and realizing that God expects way more than you and I think we want to give Him. But see, what our problem is this. Our problem today, their problem back day, then was every man did that which was right in his own eyes. The Bible says there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is the way of death. You go ahead and follow your heart. You go ahead and you do what you think is right. You say, well, I think this is what God expects from me. And I'm telling you, you are going to make the wrong choice and do the wrong thing. We must let the Word of God guide our lives. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Thank you for our church. Lord, thank you for (coughs) Judges 17. And I know that it's a short chapter and... My voice isn't going to last very long anyway. But Lord, I pray that we would be challenged. Lord, it was, it's a sad commentary on society. When you have people worshipping with an idol in one hand and a teraphim in the other, and they expect God's blessing on their life. Lord, help us to get back to the Bible. Help us to get back to the Word. Help us to not set some self-imposed standard and think, well, I'm doing what God, what, what I think God would be happy with, so I'm going to get God's blessing. Help us to search the scriptures and realize there's a lot more that God expects from us than we even know. And help us to be willing to give ourselves to Him. Father, I pray you'd help our church people to decide tonight, you know what, I'm going to start being the same everywhere I go. I'm going to start living for God everywhere I go. Every word that comes out of my mouth, I'll serve Him. Every day will be for Him. Lord, I pray You'd help our people to commit to just giving our, our lives over to Him. Not holding anything back. Not trying to keep anything for ourselves. Lord, help us to get to the place where we understand what Your will is and that when we see it clearly in Scripture, we just decide to follow it. We don't question it, we just do it. 
Father, thank you for these people. We love you in your precious name, I pray. Amen. All right, well,